Musician Amanda Palmer will be joining us today on episode 10 of the second season of the Shintaido of America podcast, which is what you're listening to. And I'm David Franklin, so that's who you're listening to. And Shintaido, in case you haven't heard this word, is an amazing body movement practice invented in Japan in the 1960s by a group of artists, actors, and martial artists. Shintaido is a dynamic, playful, and creative holistic health exercise for all kinds of bodies, and it can be a way to open up to deeper connections within ourselves, with our communities, and with the natural world. As for our guest today, Amanda Palmer, in case you haven't heard of her, I'm going to introduce her just by reading you a few sentences from Sal Cataldi's article in the Hudson Valley Regional Magazine, Inside Plus Out. She's a songwriter, punk cabaret icon, pianist, and ukulele enthusiast, a feminist, abortion rights activist, TED Talks superstar, podcaster, and patron saint to every crowdfunded artist. She's been a New York Times bestselling author. This is David breaking in here. Her book and her related TED Talk are called The Art of Asking. She was also once a busker, earning her keep, performing on streets from Boston to Berlin as a living statue called the Eight-Foot Bride. Palmer first came to prominence in the early aughts as one half of the dark cabaret duo The Dresden Dolls with drummer Brian Viglione. Their heavily theatrical performances powered three acclaimed albums and a multitude of tours, Palmer's solo career has proven equally brave and boundless. So that was by Sal Cataldi, but I should also mention that besides being a former living statue, one of the Dresden Dolls duo, and an online crowdfunding guru, Amanda is also, you guessed it, an itinerant practitioner of such arts as yoga, meditation, and Shintaido. I met Amanda in the late 1990s when she was organizing a multi-person living statue tableau based on Eugène Delacroix's painting, Liberty Leading the People, in the middle of Harvard Square, Cambridge, Massachusetts. I was fresh out of art school and was co-hosting an underground art salon called Pan 9, at which she and Brian Viglione performed. Amanda came to and even helped organize some Shintaido practices and workshops, and one thing led to another. I joined her and the Dresden Dolls on tour several times as a concert videographer, as a chair massage practitioner, and by the way, if you want to hear about on-site chair massage, listen to my interview with the other Palmer, David Palmer, the father of chair massage. It's on our website, shintaido.org. And, as you'll hear in the interview, Amanda Palmer invited me on tour to share Shintaido with her fans and her crew. By the way, if you're just joining us, you can hear previous episodes of this podcast featuring other interviews with amazing people, as well as free audiobooks, at our website, Shintaido.org. I'll tell you more about that later, but right now, let's jump into my interview with Amanda Palmer. Amanda Palmer, thank you for joining us on the Shintaido of America podcast. Hello. How are you? Good. 
in 2019, shortly before the pandemic, you invited me to go on tour with you to lead Shintaito workshops in the afternoon before concerts. Mm -hmm. what, what motivated you? Uh, I like hanging out with you. And I also thought that um, my experience uh, getting sort of thrown into uh, your pals are doing Shintaito, so just follow along and see what this thing is like was such a positive experience when I was in my 20s. Um, but the like the catalyst to get me from a person who had never done Shintaito into a person who did Shintaito was just like some peer pressure from my artistic friends. <laughs> so I figured I would pay that forward and like slightly peer pressure uh, my community to just uh, come try something new that my instinct told me they would probably really enjoy. Do you feel it had an impact on the performances during the tour? I don't know. Uh, probably. My experience tells me that moving my body around, uh, especially mindfully and creatively, before doing any kind of performance uh, usually makes the performance better just because I am more embodied. Let's talk a little bit about your first memories of practicing Shintaido in Boston. Mm. Um, I, I really, really liked it because I felt like it was a marriage of things that I was interested in but had not yet really touched, which was physical fitness and creativity. So I liked, uh, loved being and still love being a like creative, expressive, artistic person. But then there's this sort of depressing uh, feeling that if you want to go be physically fit and do something with your body, that those activities need to be uncreative and boring. Like you will go, uh, you know, uh, play tennis or you'll go to the gym and work out in, on an elliptical machine, or even like you'll go to a yoga class. But like even yoga, which I have been doing all my life, doesn't really have room the way Shintaito does for creative expression. And, and especially one of the things that I love most about Shintaito, which is work with a group and work with a partner where you are using the part of your mind that is, uh, like create storytelling and creating um, a moment like when you are doing a seaweed exercise and you are making active choices about how to commune with another human being like those are not usual uh ingredients in physical fitness and like i need to move my body around and do something with my body because uh i need to be physically fit and i was so excited to learn and find out that there was a technique, a practice that married those uh, two things. I wanted to ask you about freedom of speech. You have been a champion of freedom of speech in many respects. What about this freedom to use your voice, the freedom, the, the fact that in Shintaito we go out and shout at the sky? Oh, that's such a good question. I have a question for you. I was, uh, you're a house guest in my house right now. We happen to be in upstate New York and I happen to live uh, on, in a house with a lot of land in the forest. And I uh, heard 
the sound of like, oh, coming from the forest. And I had two simultaneous thoughts, three simultaneous thoughts uh, tumbling into my mind. One, it's so wonderful that uh, I live in the middle of the forest and that my friend can go out and do Shintaido without anybody caring and probably nobody cares. Second thought, well, wait, does nobody care? I wonder if my neighbors, uh, even though they are a thousand yards away, are going, what the fuck? Like, is someone in trouble? Uh, well, wait a second. No, that sounds like an extended song. That doesn't sound like a person in distress. That just sounds like something weird happening. Uh, and then thought number three, wait, when Manta is in um, uh, Pilsen or Prague, um, uh, Manta, David, you are in Pilsen or Prague, uh, where do you go where you can make that kind of sound and not be, let's not even say self-conscious, but just like uh, where you can freely vocally express uh, without concern? Good question. What's the answer? Where do you go? Right. I don't really have the objective of freaking people out or making a spectacle of myself. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, my, my body has a desire to do these things that it was trained over many years to do and that have a great benefit, one of them being yelling really loud. I have a couple of strategies. One strategy is just getting up real early in the morning and going to the park when there's almost nobody there. Another strategy... But wait, uh, clarification. Even if there's nobody there, the sound of your voice could be heard for a half a mile. So do you, do you ever have any concern about the people who live on the side of the park uh, wondering like what, what is going on in the park? Right. I do tend to go deeper into the park. But yes, that's that, another, <laughs> another aspect of it is the mental exercise of saying, you know, just for these few minutes, I'm going to decide to not give a shit. Yeah. However, I have heard apocryphal stories of someone running echo in a field and getting you know refusing to like getting picked up by the police by people from uh, yeah or the they called the um you know emergency rescue like yeah. they were psychiatric yeah. work i don't know exactly because it's like i said it's i don't know if this is a true story it's a third hand story but it's believable it's plausible totally well it, it, usually in society um Somebody yelling very loudly in the middle of nowhere is a sign of distress. Right. And people uh, not attuned to, oh, no, maybe they're doing Shintaido, uh, might just call the police because their first instinct is, even if I'm wrong, if someone is dying and in distress and calling for help, uh, I should send help. Right. Well, and that's... Which the, is nice. That's the third, <laughs> the third spoke in the wheel of my answer is... What I envision in the future is a world where it's an absolutely like it's as normal as tying your shoe to just or to go jogging or to, you know, walk your dog or to go out in the park and go, ah, yeah. and yell at the I, top of I your would lungs. Be, I would be excited. And the only way to make that happen <laughs> is for somebody to start doing it. Yeah. Well, and uh, safety in numbers, because if you hear four voices uh, 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 screaming yelling, uh, going, ah, at the top of their lungs, I think you're way less likely to call the police. Yes. Because, well, because, because then it's singing. Yes. Actually. Yeah. And that brings us to our last oh. question. Is it singing? It kind of is. 
You've just been listening to part one of my interview with musician Amanda Palmer, and this is the Shintaido of America podcast. I'm David Franklin. We're about to hear part two of the interview, but before we get to that, I have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying today's podcast, the most important thing you can do to help out is to tell people about us. I want to give a big shout out. Okay, not that kind of shout. I want to give a big shout out that is a big thank you to those of you who have already shared the podcast on social media and also to those of you who are going to share it on social media and who gave us or will give us a good rating on whichever podcasting app you're using. So if you haven't done that yet, it really doesn't take long. It would be great if you could just hit the pause button and do that right now. Just share the podcast on social media and give us a good rating on your app and then hit play again. I'll wait. Just sing. Okay, thanks. On with the show. One of the things that happened in the Czech Republic during COVID was there was discussion of, of, of like banning singing. That's how. Because it could spread uh, you COVID. Know, COVID. Um, generally, as a metaphor, though, this idea is very powerful, and you yourself have made songs, work, music about this topic of lips sealed, fear is what prevents people from communicating with each other. So I think my last question really is if you have anything to say about the unique value of music in a face-to-face context versus music at a distance, recorded music. I think it's very important. I think there is probably already plenty of science and I think uh, many people, uh, neuroscientists, musicologists, uh, ethnomusicologists, sociologists, have, all, have thought about this deeply, studied this deeply, and I think we are only beginning to see the tip of the iceberg of understanding when it comes to music and the brain and what music does to us when we do music to each other. The the field is a wide field and I find it fascinating. And I think we are only just starting to grasp the power of what is possible uh, when people sing together, um, communicate through music instead of communicate through digital, text messages or emails or just the spoken word uh, because we were singing before we were talking. That's the running accepted 
theory is that we were singing before speaking. And there is a reason that babies respond to being sung to more than being spoken to. And there is a reason that the, like the first synthesized rhythms created by human beings mimicked the sound of a human heart and all of these things that are just so like beautiful and poetic but also really fundamental to who we are, how we feel, how we communicate and also like how we need to feel, to feel connected to one another and to feel safe. And I would say like it's the first time I'm actually thinking about it, but it's also the first time that I've ever heard you or anyone else refer to uh, ha as actually like as what it is, which is a, a song. You know, a song with kind of five notes in it and my experience of having done echo and running echo like off and on sporadically since I was 25 uh, is that it's a of course it's a song. Like, I love that song. I love that concert. I want to go to Shintaido because it turns me on and delights me and fulfills me in the same way that uh, performing a, you know, a music show does or going to a live concert does because it tickles my brain in the same area. It lights up the same synapses. And um, what we're bad at, I think, as human beings, is understanding what is what and what it is doing. Like the fact that I could get this far and not really even realize that what is happening when you're doing echo is you're just like singing a minute and a half long song that has five long notes and you get to pick the notes, uh, just reframes it in a way that's like so obvious to me now that I'm like, oh, of course, like that's what, you know, it's a, but the instructor doesn't stand there and say like, now we're gonna sing echo. Um, you get to pick. You get to pick which five notes. Maybe they should. Maybe they should. Um, and uh, the same way, I find it really interesting in a yoga class at the end of a yoga practice. If the pre if the the leader of the yoga class says, "Now we're going to sing, Om together and harmonize as you wish," and then all of a sudden everyone goes, right. "Oh fuck, we're singing!" It's like, yeah, yeah. You've always been right. singing. We could say, you're, let's sing Tenshin Goso. Let's yeah. sing Eiko. Yeah, it, because that's what it is. And you, you're, it's slight improvisation, and you're deciding which notes to pick, but they're going to be kind of like this, and this is kind of the beginning of the song, and this is the middle of the song, and this is the end of the song, and then, and, then, uh, and then the song ends, and we all agree that that's sort of like the shape of the song for today. And the, the human need to do this in community is the oldest need and it and this happening in this kind of more secular uh church of shintaido is uh like of course it works i believe that what you're saying is at the root of your ability to do what i just saw you do during this last concert lead an entire opera house full of audience in singing together during a concert which is I asked the staff there, does this happen? Like that the audience starts singing? No, they've never seen that before. We, we often compare leading a group of Shintoists to conducting an orchestra. Mm. Do you have any thoughts about those parallels? Do you have any tips for people leading groups through large singing events or similar processes? Uh, I mean, I could say, I could talk about that for an hour. Okay. I think the simplest thing I would say as someone who has led 
uh, lots of groups and lots of singing is that the one of the most important elements is that you have warmed up the group emotionally enough uh, so that they are absolutely unashamed of whatever sound comes out of their mouth because what gets in the way of a lot of singing, a lot of people singing, is just fear of sounding bad or fear of sounding wrong or fear of fucking up, fear of uh, you know not getting it quite right and oh Amanda's a real singer and this person I'm at the show with is a real singer and uh, the, the most important thing isn't so much that you warm a person's voice up or a person's body up but that you've given them absolute permission to express whatever is going to come out and given them the understanding that this group and the leader and everybody listening to their voice is going to be so jazzed that they're just making a sound that there are no possible mistakes. Amanda Palmer, thank you for joining us on the Shintaido of America podcast. It has been a pleasure. This is the Shintaido of America podcast. You've just been listening to my interview with musician Amanda Palmer, and I'm Shintaido instructor David Franklin. We're nearly done, but be sure to listen through to the end of the credits for The Cherry. Before The Cherry, I'm going to pass the hat around among you who are hearing the sound of my voice and do a bit of busking here on the information superhighway. Shintaido of America, the producer of this podcast, is a totally member-supported nonprofit organization, and there are many ways to support our truly micro-budget production of educational materials. And I really mean that. We produce a huge amount of content on volunteer power, but some things just require a few bucks in the bank. So, you can make a one-time donation in any amount, or you can become a member of Shintaido of America for $60 per year if you're hearing this in 2023. That's just $5 per month. And if you can afford $5 per month, it would mean a great deal to our hardworking team. You can do that, sign up for our free email newsletter, and also find all kinds of free educational resources at our website, where you can also find all the previous episodes of this podcast, which is www.shintaido.org. That's www.s-h-i-n-t-a-i-d-o.org. That's whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Dot Sierra Hotel India November Tango Alpha India Delta Oscar dot Oscar Romeo Golf. Got it. You can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube by searching for Shintaido of America, and our email address is podcast at shintaido.org. Our episode today was recorded and edited by me, David Franklin, with support from Sarah Baker, Connie Borden, Teresa Soldatova, Jim Sterling, the Joe Zawilski Memorial Fund, and of course, the members of Shintaido of America. Thank you. Okay. Here's the cherry. In the world of artistic expression, there is one uncompromising rule. It says that if it is not expressed, it does not exist. If an accomplished actor who has trained diligently and is possessed of a beautiful mind plays a role in a play, everything they do looks beautiful, inasmuch 
as they are performing for the public, their role must be presented in such a way that the audience cannot criticize by saying, we do not understand, make it clearer. That was a quote from Hiroyuki Aoki, the founder of Shintaido, in his book, Shintaido, The Body is a Message of the Universe. And guess what? Aside from purchasing the physical book on Amazon, for example, if you like, you can also listen to it as a free audiobook, as well as previous episodes of this podcast and find tons of educational materials all for free at our website, www.shintaido.org. Thanks for listening to the Shintaido of America podcast, contents of this podcast, copyright Shintaido of America 2023, aside from a short excerpt from Sing by the Dresden Dolls, released on Roadrunner Records, which was included for educational purposes. Shintaido, opening to life.